Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and filtered episode 34 um i'm here as always with my co-host isaac zoot isaac we do have one piece of news to talk about before we get into our interview with jake eater um isaac how are you and um well actually two pieces of news but how are you and uh, i'm excited to talk about these small pieces of news that mean a lot yeah i'm swell thank you for asking kevin uh we're at that point where just maybe a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting and then yeah. shortly after that full squad and then we got grapefruit league games coming up in less than a month so i'm very excited and it's a fun time of year as always especially in south florida where you know it's 80 degrees outside oh yeah and as always if you're watching um subscribe follow on wherever you listen to the pod and give it a five-star rating wherever it gives you the option to so um all right first piece of news uh, Richard Blyer was dealt. Um, we did not expect it, but this team had a plethora of lefty relievers. They had traded Richard Blyer in exchange for Matt Barnes and $5 million in cash. Um, this is a pretty good trade for Miami. You're basically paying most of Matt Barnes' salary, and you get rid of a lefty reliever. You bring in a power-throwing back end of the bullpen type of guy in Matt Barnes, who, although he struggled in 22 uh, he had a great 2021 and even made the all-star team. Yeah, when it comes to Blyer, you can't talk about Blyer without mentioning how important he was in the 2020 season and in the 2021 season. He was very good. I think he was much better than Michael Hill had anticipated when he traded for him in that COVID-shortened season. We wish him the best in Boston, but the reality was that he really struggled last season. And when he's not keeping the ball on the ground and he's not missing barrels, He's, he's giving up tanks. So uh, you're giving up Richard Blyer for Matt Barnes, who, like you mentioned, Kevin, is coming off a pretty tough 2022 season. But he had a really great second half, uh, ERA under two in the last 22 innings of his season. So that's something to look forward to. And if he can sort of get back to his strikeout numbers where he was striking out 13, 14 guys per nine innings, they could like sort of get halfway there to maybe 10. That would be a big plus for this Marlins bullpen that's sort of lacking right-handed strikeout relievers you know you, you have so many lefties with O'Curd and scott and nardi that it, it behooved them to make this deal did he go yes he did he struck him out and that is the ball game the red sox win it by a final score of three to one on the strikeout rutschman fans and the sox hang on for the w and they also added a Good amount of relievers to the 40 men and some of those i believe will be are also lefties so yeah Josh makes Sims more sense lefties, yeah it makes more sense to deal those guys in 
just to look at the stats on um, Matt Barnes, we'll look at 2021 first, and there's there's some of his pitches there for the YouTube listeners who are watching. Uh, he um, was went six and five, three seventy nine ERA, three twenty one FIP, very high K per nine, 13.83. Doesn't walk any guys, three point twenty nine K uh, walk per nine. Uh, and then in twenty twenty two, he he just struggled. I mean, from start to finish, four thirty one ERA, three eighty seven FIP. Did not win a single game. He did get eight saves, and in twenty twenty one, he got twenty four. So you have not only. Uh, an actual closer that Boston utilized as in that closer position for a couple years, but Matt Barnes also has World Series experience, playoff experience. So you could kind of say he's one of the older guys in the bullpen now, but in terms of experience, because this guy, what he's only thirty-two, I believe. Yeah, uh, you got to expect that he, along with you know Flora, are going to be getting the eighth and ninth inning. Scott as well will be mixed in there, but I think Barnes will be getting. A bulk of the save opportunities you you they don't really have a certified closer on this team a conventional closer i should say but it, i feel like it will they really will go with um closer by committee to some extent because you know it's not don mattingly anymore and he was someone that really liked to have that one guy we don't know what skip's philosophy is yet we'll definitely be sure to ask him that at spring training but you know, if you got a couple lefties, go out and throw O'Kurt or Scott, and you can do the same thing with Floro or Barnes. There's a bunch of righties do up in the ninth. So they they definitely made their bullpen, the later innings of their bullpen, a lot deeper for sure. Yeah, and then, I mean, we just have to quickly mention, yes, Skip may have a different philosophy, but when you look back at his Cardinal days or his one year with the Cardinals, he had Ryan Hellesley, and he had right. that one closer guy. And then I think you would put Gallegos in there every once in a while with San Diego – during his time there, I can't name who was exactly the closer, but I believe they didn't have a, a for sure guy. So you would have to think that maybe closer by committee is where he goes to this term in this case. But I mean, when you have someone like Matt Barnes, who is going to be pitching in pitcher friendly Lone Depot Park, maybe you feel a little bit better about having him as your main closer with someone who you could rotate it with, kind of like what the Cardinals did last year with Gallegos and um, Ryan Hellesley. Okay, Jazz Chisholm Jr. He is now the cover athlete for MLB The Show 2023. Congratulations to Jazz. He's the first Marlin ever to get on the cover, unless you count Wei Ying Chen's 2017 appearance on the Taiwan edition of MLB The Show 17. Um, he is also the first player from the Bahamas to be on the cover. Um, yeah, just a good honor for Jazz. And shout out to Joe Guzzi, who took the picture there. Very nice picture, very cool. Um I'm I'm a fan of this, you know, Miami getting a lot of public exposure, I guess you can mention this. And, you know, yeah, the on-field play hasn't been what you want from Jazz in terms of the amount of games he's played or the consistency there. But when he's on the field, he's one of the best players in baseball, not in baseball, but one of the best players out there. And he is, and, you know, he's just a great person off the field. The great for the team. This is fan even David Sampson had to come out and say this is great for the team. Good job by MLB. So in that case, you know, you couldn't have found a more marketable player than Jazz Chisholm. But you look at the history of the cover athletes. I'm an avid MLB the show player. I, I love the game very much. And I think without a doubt, he's got to be the least established major leaguer to don the cover of this video game. So, you know, you look at the other guys, you look at Bryce Harper, Javier Baez, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Ken Griffey Jr., Josh Donaldson. All these guys are either established or Hall of Famers or MVPs that year. So I found it a little strange. I thought Julio Rodriguez would have been a great guy because he's just as marketable. 
maybe not quite Jazz's level of swag, but you know, he's also going to be a top yeah. 10 baseball maybe. for a very long time. So I found it interesting. I, I don't know if he was the most deserving player when it came to on-field performance. He hasn't even played more than, I think, 100 games in a season yet. Um, but yeah, it's great for the team. This is like best case scenario for the Marlins marketing team, for the Marlins sales prices, sales ticket, uh, ticket sales. It's good for the team, but I, I'm not the biggest advocate for choosing this particular player. But yeah, I mean, I'm still going to download the game and play the game and be very excited when Jazz Chisholm comes up when I get his card. But like I said, there's, there, look at the if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the previous cover athletes and you, Jazz sort of sticks out. I guess the good thing would be that usually the year after these guys are on the cover, they go on to have phenomenal seasons. So if you're putting that into account, maybe Jazz is going to have a a great season, especially now him playing center field. Tatis, for example, and I think Otani won it the year before, and the guy's still killing it. So I mean, I guess the only exception would be Javi Baez, who is no longer that good on the Detroit Tigers. And um, well, from Isaac, myself, we'll see you guys all in the next one. Peace out and go fish. Fish Traps Unfiltered, episode 34. I am here joined by my co-host, Isaac Azut. We are with Eli Sussman, and today we have a very, very special guest. We have Miami Marlins' top prospect, or one of the top prospects, Jake Eater, um, who is currently recovering from Tommy John, expected to be ready by spring training. Um, we did not see him in 2022, but in 2021, he had a 3-5 record, 1.77 ERA, 71 innings pitch, 0.98 whip, and 2.48 FIP. He participated in the 2021 Futures game and pitched in that game. Jake, thank you for coming on, and we're very excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm pumped. Jake, Kevin just rolled off the stats right there. That was at double A in your very first pro season after being a fourth-round pick out of school. I mean, what you were doing – the reason why so many people are excited to hear from you right now is because you made them so excited with that performance during that first minor league season. Uh, I think everybody's just shocked at how easily you made that transition look from college all the way up to um, the double A level. Um, how can you explain why it is that it seemed so natural for you to have success right away facing guys that were a lot older, a lot more experienced than you were? Yeah, I mean, I, I just really just kept it simple. Um, I mean, the essence of it is all the same. You know, you're you're going out there trying to throw strikes, uh, you know, land breaking balls uh, and execute pitches. So um, I think really at any level when you, when you start executing like that, then good things will happen. So um, that would be my best explanation. Honestly, I just – you know, stuck to the basics and and just went out there and executed one pitch at a time. Jay, you guys, you, one of the highlights of that year was you pitching in the Futures game. Can you sort of take us through that experience, how it was, you're traveling with Max Meyer, someone at least you were familiar with, and take us through what that inning that you that you threw over there in Colorado. Yeah, that, that whole experience was, uh, was sweet. Um, I mean, Max and I lived together, so you know, we had already gotten tight and um, we basically jumped on a plane, got out there to Colorado. And, um, you know, as soon as we got there, they had 
all the booths set up in the hotel and, you know, all the companies, um, you know, with the representatives and stuff. Um, so that was cool going through all that. And then, um, the actual game, the stadium was, I don't remember if it was packed or not, but it seemed like it was to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like the energy you'd expect from like an all-star game. And, uh, I, I threw in the last inning and, um, I threw, I think to two batters and then there was one other guy that had to, to get a, you know, some pitches into. So, but I was just jacked up. Uh, the air was super dry, super thin. So I felt like fastballs were flying and, uh, breaking stuff was, you know, kind of, you had to get used to it. Um, but yeah, I was just in the moment jacked up and just letting it fly. Was that the first major league stadium you've pitched in or, or no? Uh, no, we had in college, we did a, we would always start the year out, uh, with like a, a tournament out in either LA or I think my sophomore year was in Texas at the, uh, the Astro stadium. So we had done, um, a number of those just in college. So Eli mentioned how much the fans love you and were extremely excited about you. And I think they all want to know how's the arm feeling and how's the whole rehab process from Tommy John been like? Yeah, it was it was uh, long and, you know, a drawn out process, um, but it was good. I took it took it day by day, um, felt better each day. And now I'm almost 17 months out, I think. And uh, my arm feels electric. I'm feeling I'm throwing uh, all pitches off the mound now. I just started doing that last week um, and I, next week I'm uh going to get in and, and throw some kind of live ABs to some hitters. That's awesome. And would you think you were, was pitching in the Dominican league or the AFL or the winter league ever a possibility for you? Or do you think it was too soon to go out and pitching competitive games? Yeah, I think they, I think pretty much uh, the schedule they wanted me on was at, at the very end of last year, I uh, was throwing some live at bats. And then I pretty much when the other seasons or the other affiliates shut down, I pretty much shut down at the same time and went into a, kind of a normal off season and then built back up kind of like normal. So yeah, I don't think it was. Jake, usually during this process of rehabbing from Tommy John, you learned something about yourself that maybe you didn't know before entering this process. What did you learn about yourself during this rehab process? And also did you make any adjustments to the pitch mix mechanics or, or et cetera? Uh, yeah, I would say I learned a lot about my body, um, a lot about nutrition. You know, it, it basically, when you have something like this happen, you have, a an opportunity to, you know, you would never get this time. You'd never get a year, you know, to just kind of work on yourself like this. So, um, I took advantage of it. I, I learned a lot about, uh, nutrition. I learned a lot about my body and, and, and then to answer your last question, I, did make some changes with my delivery, you know, subtle changes, but, but things that, um, just make everything more efficient, more, um, more connected. And, uh, yeah, everything, uh, is feeling really good. And, and the, all pitches too. I, I didn't throw my change up a ton in Pensacola. Um, but I would say that's come along really nice too, as you know, I've gotten so, 
so long to work on it and throw it. Yeah, and whenever it is that you make it up to the big leagues, you have a lot of people to learn it from as well. With, with Sandy Alcantara's changeup, Johnny Cueto coming in, uh, even right. Jesus Lazardo with the advancements yeah. that he made with that pitches. Uh, I, I guess you got to be pretty excited about that. About even we see it with this Marlins team uh, through recent years, guys getting better when they get to the big leagues just because of the teaching that's in place, the coaching that's in place. Um, I'm sure you're excited about that and getting to learn from the best in the game when it comes to pitching development. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's one of the coolest things about it is guys just, you know, especially at that level, it's like there's always something to learn. There's always a little tip and trick that, you know, you can – one guy works works for him and, and then you try it and it may or may not work. But, but yeah, there's just a lot to be learned from – just guy, a bunch of guys that have done it for a long time. And one thing I wanted to mention, we brought up Max Meyer earlier and how he is going through the same situation that you went through, where last yeah. summer his elbow gave out as well, and that was just his second big league start. I'm wondering, were you watching live when that happened? And um, like, what was what was the process like when he got hurt? And if you guys have had any like conversations, have you given him advice? Has he had questions for you? knowing that you had been through this before and now he's kind of going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I was watching the game. Um, I, I, I actually, I watched obviously the, his debut and then, and then that start. Um, and then, yeah, we, I mean, I, I've been seeing him now around the, the uh, facility, you know, every day um, now that I'm, I'm going there every day. So yeah, it's just, it's really, whenever he's got a question or, Hey, this feels like this, did you ever feel that kind of deal? You know? And, um, we, uh, we actually went to the, the same, uh, rehab guy to, to start like kind of our first six months or so. Um, so we both kind of have that same foundation from that. Um, so yeah, so I'm sure as he starts throwing, uh, I think he's due to throw and maybe a couple weeks, a month, something like that, um, to start his throwing program. So I'm sure he'll have some more questions, but yeah, it's just like anything, bouncing questions off each other and stuff like that. Jake, earlier in the off season, there was a report that the Marlins may have you on a, some sort of innings limit going to this year. Can you confirm that? And if so, around what's, how many innings do you think you'd be able to throw during the regular season in 2023? Yeah, I, I haven't been informed of anything like that myself so um i can tell you i'll be ready to throw 200 innings is you know as many innings as i need to throw um but yeah as far as from the team i, I don't have any information on that you mentioned you want to throw 200 innings it, um have you been maybe told or informed about where your next stop may be it, will you be back in pensacola maybe jupiter for some rehab starts or will it be in triple a on the brink of the major leagues um that i don't know either uh as far as yeah i haven't had a ton of communication in, in that regard um all i know is that i'm ready to go whatever level they want to send me to i'm ready to compete and i guess on my end uh, i want to ask you who is the toughest hitter you've had to face in in all minor league baseball if it's double a low a or anywhere you've any of your stops man i don't know I, you know, I don't know because I, I never, half the time, I don't even know the guy, you know, who it is I'm facing. I, it's just like, uh, I'll go through the lineup and then, 
the coach will ask me, uh, you know, you, you remember facing this guy, what you threw this guy? And I'm like, no, man, I was just in the moment, in the zone, you know, getting after him. And, uh, you know, I'd have to go back and watch it on video. But, yeah, I don't – I couldn't even tell you that. I don't know. I just treat everyone like this the same. And I'm just – you know, I got my targets that I want to throw to. And, you know, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. Well, Jake, this is the time of year where prospect rankings get updated around the industry and people are trying to get a feel for what you guys are capable of moving forward. And even after coming off the injury, even after being away all of last year, like there are some very smart and some very accurate evaluators that are now putting you back up near the top of top prospect lists um, from the athletic even from MLB Pipeline, having you as one of the best lefties out there. Is that something you you pay attention to at all, to know that they're keeping up with your progress and they feel that you're back to where you were before the injury, if not even better than before? Um, I mean, I'm aware of it because you see it, you know, around places. But but to be honest with you, um, it's not something I, I really give a second thought to because at the end of the day, that's just – it doesn't really matter. You know, the only thing that matters is me going out and executing and then that stuff, you know, will stack up however, you know, how it does. So um, I, I intentionally don't place really any focus on that because again, it's what matters is, you know, hitting the fastball up and away and a slider down and in. So I've had people wondering exactly when, when they try to envision what you're going to be moving forward, they like to draw comparisons between current big leaguers. And I was like struggling to put my finger on another lefty starting pitcher that has, that checks all the boxes that you do. I'm wondering, is there somebody in mind that you want to like follow in their footsteps when it comes to lefty starting pitchers? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always liked watching uh, Kershaw, you know, just cause he's a, He's a lefty, and our stuff might be a little different, but, you know, he's been doing it a long time, uh, doing it consistently. And um, he he's a guy that I've – really the, the main left-handed pitcher that I've watched for, you know, since I was a kid, so. um, Jake, I wanted to ask you, the list of the non-roster invitees was released last week. Were you maybe a little surprised that your name wasn't – uh, among those or were you just not surprised at all um i didn't have any reaction to it really um i like i was saying that's i do a really good job of focusing on what matters and to me what matters is is executing pitches learning from you know the bullpen that i threw whatever and then moving on and going to the next thing so so yeah i didn't it didn't uh, – I didn't have a reaction to it. Jake, last one for me is just you You spent the entire 2021 year at AA. As a pitcher, who on the offensive side of the ball on the Wahoos impressed you the most? You know, whether it's an all-star on the Wahoos, who just really impressed you and thinks has the best shot at really succeeding in the major leagues from that Wahoos 2021 team? Man, there's – they're all good. I I, um, I always loved watching uh, Gerard uh, Encarnacion. He's – He's just a big donkey and he's crazy strong. And uh, I think I've seen him hit a couple of balls uh, to the moon out in, uh, at our home <laughs> stadium and away. So, 
Yeah, I think he's an exciting one to watch. And uh, one more thing, because when, when you get up to the team, we have Jacob Stallings up there as the everyday catcher. And just a few weeks ago, they had, went out and traded for Jacob Amaya, and they're expecting him to be on the team as a shortstop as well. So we're, we could have three Jakes on the team at the same time. Is there a nickname that you really have, like going through pro ball or, or one that uh, you might pick up along the way? Yeah, I think most guys just call me Eater. Honestly, they they it seems like in college they that's what guys called me, and it seems like that's what guys call me uh, here. So yeah, I think um, probably that that was would stick. I would imagine uh, like E or Eater or something like that. And then uh, yeah, then those guys may go by. I'm sure there's a nickname for them too. You know, everyone's that's how baseball is. You get you know. But, yeah, I, probably just my last name. All right. Well, I think that is where we will end it, Jake. Thank you so much for joining us here. Um, do you have any message for the fans, anything you want to let them know about? I would just say uh, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Let's uh, Let's go win some games, right? And that is where we will end it from Isaac, from Eli, from Jake, and myself. We'll see you guys all in the next one. Peace out and go fish. We got to end it off right. We got to end it off right.